the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wireside, and this is a solo pod for me. It is just me in this episode, episode 450, recording on a Thursday night, as this is, this is intended to be the Cardinals preseason opener preview. Um, talk about a couple of things. Um, we have the Cardinals training camp. Um, and that means that no more public practices, no more reporting about what we see at practice, and it means everything moves back to Tempe. And what does that mean? Well, it uh, means a few things. Uh, well, uh, one thing that we know um, is that, and I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about in this edition of the show um, what Colt McCoy recently said about Kyler Murray and his potential return and wasn't news necessary necessarily because um he said it before but also as with the cardinals coming up uh kind of talk about my players to watch and kind of what what i want to see and what jonathan gannon wants to see in this game let's get started um talking about colt mccoy's comments about um kyler murray uh colt in, in a recent interview said that kyler to return sooner rather than later. What does this mean? Now, this is not the first time Colt said this. In fact, I think this is the second or third time that Colt has talked about Kyler coming back sooner rather than later. And that that isn't news. That part isn't news. But it's just, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because Kyler still is on PUP, so he is ineligible to practice. And where we are he did say initially he did say initially he was the goal was to start the season i still think that's probably unreasonable because that would be eight months post-surgery um and while in the, it's it's been done before i don't think that's going to be the case this time around especially since he hasn't had any practice reps now if we think about we, we are a month we are recording on this on this thursday night we are exactly one month from the start of the season so it would seem reasonable it would seem reasonable to me that if there's any chance of kyler playing in the opener then the latest he basically i think the latest he could come off pup would be after the chiefs game next week and that would give him um, a solid two and a half, like a solid two and a half weeks of practice. Uh, I, I, and even then, I, I would say probably more reasonable would be it. We can really think about him playing in the opener if he's if he comes off pup this next week. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I still think so. Here's what 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 can happen um, if he's on pup. To start, they if they move him to the reason pup, he will have to miss four games, and then they can make a decision after that. They can activate him for and 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 get into practice. 
I've always thought, if you listen to what I've said on the show and I kind of predicted in the, in the game-by-game predictions, that the way-too-early predictions, I'm thinking about Week 6, that Week 6 game. And th- that would, in a sense, create the most roster flexibility because um, that would have to carry Kyler Murray on the roster for that, that at the beginning part of the season. Because you could, if, if week six is kind of the target, you could have him begin the season on PUP, activate him for practice in, after week four, and then he has two full weeks to really get, you know, get the reps that he needs to then start by week six. Because that, that's the tricky part. Because you can't actually do any live team practice um, until you're off of that. The other thing that they could do um, is you know, if if he's if he's r- taken off if he's activated before the season, that means that they're targeting somewhere before week four. That, and that not say would be week one, but really is is if they choose to take him off pop so he can start playing, that means they anticipate him being being back on the field in the first four games of the season. Um, again, he had he had surgery at the beginning of January, which would mean, like, if you're looking at a, even a fairly, fairly, you know, reasonable or, or even optimistic recovery, especially since he had the torn meniscus as well, um, you're at nine months, and that put him kind of in the middle over. And so you're you're thinking in that four to six, week four to week six range. Um, where was Kyler at? Uh, Kyler talked about where he's at. He he doesn't know what his timetable is. He's nowhere near that. And and I, until until he comes off of that list, the truth of the matter, we don't have a timeline because it's at that point. Is he doing more? I have heard that. I have heard that he he is doing more. Um, not witnessed it, but that his his recovery, his rehab, his what he's being tested on is more than just straight line running. That there is some cha- little bit of change of direction happening, and it's happening fairly aggressively. And that that's going to be kind of the last step in that. He's got to feel comfortable making all the moves, and then getting on the practice field and practicing with the team. And so, yeah, for sure. What does that mean? Like with Colt McCoy saying sooner or later, I don't know how much that actually means because Colt said it before, and I think it is. I think basically saying, "Hey, target week four-ish rather than half the season and later," which is kind of what people were suggesting early on that you know he might make miss till mid mid season. He's hitting his rehab hard, and I'm going to continue you to to say that I think I week six would be right about the sweet spot um, week five they would actually be at home to to play the Cincinnati Bengals and so you could have him return uh, at home in week five uh, against Joe Burrow and company or you, you could have him on the road in week six against the LA Rams I don't know now there are definitely some pros and cons to doing that because you've got you know Aaron Donald, uh, as always, but you know, rather than later is great news, 
And but it, it's not altogether surprising. It's like it's not a surprise at all because that's how the way it's been trending. That's the way it's been trending, even with Jonathan Gannon's consistent stating that he'll play when he's physically and mentally ready. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got to say about that. So coming up next to the Rise of Sea Red podcast, Mister Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move forward to let's and want to talk about the preseason opener for the players that I have my eye on. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, Mister Cardinals talk on the web. This, not, probably not an hour this time as I'm doing a solo show, episode 450. And the Cardinals host the Denver Broncos in their preseason open on Friday night. Um, you should be able to hear this um, before. Like, hopefully it's downloaded and you actually get to listen to it before the Cardinals play. Kickoff at 7 p.m. Arizona time at State Farm Stadium. I'll be there covering the game as I have since 20 in the press box and then post-game in the locker in the press room for the press conferences. What do I, who, who are the what I want? Like, let's kind of go down the list. Number one, I want to see the limited amount of Colt McCoy. How the how does the offense look initially? And I know some people are, are suggesting like if if you give Colt McCoy some live game reps, and he looks bad, and that might open the door for Clayton Tune. Think that'll happen, especially with the way they've sound about about Clayton Tune. Like that he's definitely a rookie, and he's definitely making mistakes. And, and from the, what we've seen in training camp, both quarterbacks have had some struggles. Um, but there's one thing that I think we can trust with Colt is the the notion of he will protect himself and he will protect his teammates. He he won't at least get himself killed, which is what if you call the wrong protection or you don't pick up the right protection, that can happen with a young quarterback like Tune. I want to see him come through that game um, a little healthy. I think everyone is watching Michael Wilson, uh, the third-round rookie out of Stanford, uh, because of how he's looked in training camp. You know, we we need to find out if this is just a case of the cornerbacks being bad or if he can do this against other players. Seth and I we've talked about on the last couple of shows about we, we go back to let's go back to 17 and Brandon Williams who looked like an absolute stud in training camp going up against Michael Floyd when the truth of the matter Michael Floyd was not in a good place and did not have a good year and Brandon Williams ended up getting benched after the first week of this season when they signed Marcus Cooper and, and basically halfway through week about about mid second series of week two and and Cooper had basically taken Williams job and so we, we always take training camp standouts with a grain of salt until we in preseason action. I think that's what we want to see. And, and especially if he's going to get first-team reps and the Broncos are going to play their starters at least early in the game. You know, Jonathan Gems, how does he just do against Pat Sertan? That's, you know, that's ultimately it. How does he look against starting caliber cornerbacks from other teams? And, and so will we see him get open? Will he make plays or or will the will the lights be too bright and and you know Krongers hopefully he doesn't have a, an injury setback of any of any of any kind um on the offensive line I'm looking at two players in particular I'm not worried about DJ Humphreys I'm not worried about Elijah Wilkinson truthfully because he's been a veteran but he yelled a Froholt at center and Paris Johnson right tackle I want to see how the rookie does and and more importantly I want to see how that center does because it's 
feels like that they're rolling with him as the starter unless something drastically changes. Like even flying like with Seth and I, we mentioned on the last show is that he doesn't even crack the top two. He's the third string center behind Froholt and then rookie John Gaines. And so let's let's keep an eye on Froholt. Make sure that the communication between him and the quarterback are is good. That the snaps are quality and, and protections are being called and, and things like that. So. They, he's another player I, I, I want to watch. Um, I've got got my eyes on the young running backs. I don't think Keontae Ingram, but uh, Tyson Williams, Amari DeMarcado. I don't know if Stevie Scott, the guy that they just signed, uh, and yes, and of course Marlon Mack did tear his Achilles, his other Achilles. It it, it was that was always going to happen, wasn't it? A guy that's played only 15 games since 2020 tore his left, tore his right Achilles in 2020. And just like I, I, I talked to, I mentioned to Seth in the last show, is that Corey Peters had just come back from an Achilles, and then immediately in training camp tour, this is what happened: he ruptured his other Achilles. He's done for the year. And they signed a guy, Stevie Scott. You've never heard of him. He played in the USFL. Um, he's bounced around the Broncos and, and the Saints since you know entering the league as an undrafted rookie. So Stevie Scott maybe gets some reps, but I, I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, Tyson Will and DeMar DeMarcado, they both have an opportunity to really kind of um, kind of establish themselves to battle for, for playing time behind James Conner. Um, on the other side of the ball, I don't think B.J. Ojolari is going to play. He was just activated off PUP, but, you know, for the few snaps, let's, let's see if Zabin Collin gets any push in the pass rush. Cam Thomas, how does he look? Um, and... And, you know, there's the position battles as well at linebacker. So, um, aside from Kaiser White, does Josh Woods, does does Chris Barnes make plays? The cornerbacks, can Ketrill Clark uh, make plays? Christian Matthew? Or is it or is it going to be Antonio Hamilton? Because, like, we've seen first-team reps in training camp, and it was Marco Wilson's the clear number one. And then you had alternating series with Christian Matthew and Ketrill Clark. But is it, and then Antonio Hamilton is listed as the as the top guy on the depth chart. So I don't know what we should not what should we think of that. And I think everyone else, assuming he does get some playing time, wants to see Isaiah Simmons um, in his position, James in live game action, playing deep safety as he's done. I'm also intrigued about Jalen Thompson uh, playing in the slot. He he will be primarily in the slot, but he will still be on the field in, in absolute base packages. Sim, Simmons will be the one to come off the field based on what we've seen in practice. And, you know, call me a, call me a weirdo, call me like doing this, these deep cuts into the roster battles. Let's let's look at that, Bob. Um, you wouldn't think that there would be real competition between Nolan Cooley, who's never really stuck on an NFL roster yet and Matt Hawk who's a several year veteran who has not you know he's he's had punting jobs he's had multiple teams but he's been a punt he's been the punter for a team at basically ever since he entered the league after out of out of AS, Arizona State when he entered the league a few years ago is there that much comp I'm kind of intrigued to to see that and, and to see how they perform as well um but yeah and so those are baseline, and there's a bunch of young players as well. Like, if they, you want to see the draft picks, um, you want to see the draft picks kind of do some stuff. You want to see if there's any undrafted rookies that stand out. Uh, does Owen Papo, the the fifth round 
inside backer, superbly athletic. See him make plays. Um, what about the defensive line? Um, how is that going to play? How's their how's that playing rotation gonna gonna play out? What do we see out of Josh Jones? Um, as it, it looks, it's going to be hard for him and Kelvin Beachum to make the roster, in my opinion. The tight end situation, I, I'm not so much because ultimately we do know who will be the top three on the roster, and that's Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, and Jeff Swayman. And that, you know, Ertz is still on PUP. McBride barely got back to practice. So I don't know if he's going to get any. And maybe, maybe a few snaps, but I would doubt it. And Swaim's been injured as well. So we, we know th- those three are going to be on the roster. Um, but the guys behind them, who can be, is it going to be Noah Tojai? Is it going to be Blake Whitehart? Is it going to be the kid out of Michigan, Joan Honickford? Um, those are the guys that need to step up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at, you look across the, the just pay attention to Jonathan Gannon too. How, how do how does the defense look as well? So th- those are the players I'm at. I think we're all looking at Clayton Tune as well. Um, how does he look if he gets? Uh, assuming he gets some extended action after after Colt McCoy, uh, not necessarily to try to push McCoy, but just give him some game reps to to evaluate him in front of you know other teams and, and other defenses than their own and things like that. Um, I'm more intrigued to make sure that that. Colt McCoy looks sharp. I don't. I, we know what he is. He's not going to be a world beater. Like, can he against pretty good Denver defense keep the ball and the offense on schedule? I think that's kind of like what the priority would be. And so, yeah. So coming next, uh, coming up next on the Res of Sierra podcast episode of Cardinals Talk on the Web. Let's let's look at a couple of things. One, what Jonathan Gannon said about uh, what he wants to see out of the preseason opener. And also, let's let's dabble a little bit into the, you know, the the better. Just what's in there. And it's a preseason game. If, if you're betting the preseason, I'm sorry. Just you probably shouldn't do it. But hey, why not? Why not? That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. The best era of Cardinals talk on the web. And you know, Jonathan Gannon had some interesting comments about. Um, what he's looking for the preseason one compete like that, which makes sense. He's been he's been preaching competition ever since he was hired. Everything is a competition, and so you don't want to see the players. And, and since it's an actual live game, you even though the game itself is meaningless, the, the it is not meaningless for those playing the game. So it is one compete with the player across from you. He wants to see that. He wants the gamer operations to run smoothly. So everyone involved with the game day operations that that goes through, and then maybe this is a little bit on Harbaugh and the and the and the preseason streak the Baltimore Ravens had. But Jonathan Gannon said he did say like you want to win, and so the, this when you when you dress, when you suit up and you get between the white lines, you're trying to win. And and I, I honestly I don't see anything wrong with that. They're not going out and game planning trying to win the game, but ultimately this is all all about competition this is about the players competing so the starters won't be out there much if it like much at all i anticipate maybe a series before they get sent but especially those those young guys late in the game third and fourth stringers these are guys fighting for evaluation can they squeak onto the roster uh, or can they show their value to be a practice squad member or can they show enough film for another team to go yeah i like 
like this and, and moving forward. And so does the actual final score matter? No, not for us. But when you want to base, build a culture of winning, you want to create a scenario in which even preseason games matter. Now, it's, you're, you're planning for them differently. You're not playing your starters through the whole game. But you create the mentality is that even these young players know play as a team, play your best football, play disciplined, quality football, and try to win the game even if the even if the final score doesn't reflect on any meaningful as a team. I do really like that. Um, I like that notion. You know, as a coach. You want you don't want to send the message to the players that the preseason games don't matter because they obviously do, and so you want to go to them with the plan. You want to you want to preach winning culture. You want and, and it's very interesting because if the pendulum swung the other direction, Dick Gannon is extremely detailed. He wants things done a specific way, believing it is championship behaviors winning behaviors and he's process oriented not results oriented in the idea that you take care of the day-to-day the results will take care of themselves as long as you are doing things the right way that said let's take a look at the betting line got bet mgm up and you know <laughs> the cardinals are not favored are five and a half point underdogs to the broncos um, with the money line at minus two twenty five for the Broncos, plus one eighty for the Cardinals, and then a a, a projected total at a low thirty seven points. Now, I'm not going to try and handicap the game because preseason games. There's no way to predict it. Now, what what should you do if you're going to bet preseason games? Here's how I would go about that. If you want to bet sixteen games, I know some of the games have already happened, but like whatever games are left on the schedule, bet the underlying money line every single time and see how it plays out because there's there's no way to look at trends for the preseason because those trends are meaningless. Now, what do we expect to see? Uh, you know, 37. Now, preseason, you, you usually do not see projected totals that low in regular season games. You just don't. Um, you see it usually in, in the 40 to 47 range. It's fairly common. 37 is low. But when we look at it this way, we've got the Cardinals who has an unknown offensive system. It's probably going to be pretty conservative against a Denver Broncos defense while it's going to be vanilla. Is talented. Is talented. We do get to, you know, a couple of things. There's a couple of of of. Familiar faces on the Broncos. Allen signed with the Broncos in the offseason. And and also Vance Joseph, their, the Cardinals' former defensive coordinator, is now the defensive coordinator again oh, back in, in Denver where he used to be a head coach. And so we'll get to see a little of that. Um, if I'm looking at the total, I think this week I'm taking the over, I think. And you're probably looking at probably a... a a 24 to 20 win by buddy. I'm not going to try and prove it. If you want to bet the preseason, here's my strategy. Don't look at the spread. Just take the underdog on the money line. On you know, you know if you want to, just do the math. Because if you if you if you look at look at every team with the positive odds with those 
plus odds. You know, with the the Falcons game, the Dolphins game, it's plus 115 Dolphins at home. The Bengals are plus 165 at home. Uh, interesting that it, you know, the it's the home teams that are listed as the underdogs here. The Lions are plus 125 against the Giants. The Bucks are plus 120 to the, against the Steelers. The Commanders are plus 135 against the Rams. The Cardinals plus 180. Uh, the Bills plus 150. The Titans plus 140. The Jets plus 145. And it looks like, yes, I think we have confirmed that the Cardinals in the preseason are the most underdog. They are the least favored in the entire NFL as they sit with the with the longest odds on the money line at plus 180. So congratulations, Cardinals, Cardinals fans. We continue to believe that this team, nationally, the, the sports books, thinks this team is hot garbage. Preseason football is kind of hot garbage, but we love it. You know you love it. Especially the hardcore fans. Oh, know you're going to be watching that second half, and then you're going to be rooting for Tyson Williams and Amari De- DeMarcado saying he is, he is him. He got if he's got to find the roster or or uh, ooh, let's take David Anini, the guy that they just signed about I think it was a week ago uh, when MyJ Sander was was out. Keep an eye on him. My guess is he'll probably make some noise in the pass rush just because he'll be playing late in the game. And with that, so yeah. So what do I want to see first and foremost? Stay healthy. We can't no. I want to see. The starters look sharp-ish. It's their first live game res, but I want them to look sharp. I want them to stay healthy. And I want players in in roster battles. I want to see one stand out more than the others. Whether that is Matt Hawk just killing out on the punts or... Um, you look at the cornerback positions. You want to you, what you ideally what you want to see is either playing at a high level or one separating himself from the other. And so that is what I'm looking for in this preseason opener. And that will wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Series podcast, Best Star of Cardinals Talk on the web. We t- talked preseason football. Uh, we'll get this uploaded so you can listen to it before Friday's game. We'll be back again next week on Tuesday night, recording with Seth Cox. As we get their schedule, thanks for listening as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals Talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.